listening to Hot Topics Reframed, topics that are hot with a lot of thought with Becky Hayes and Cedric Taylor. And we're rolling. So I can obviously, we have an, uh, an automatic introduction. Hi, I'm Becky. <laughs> Hi, Becky. <laughs> and you're Amy. Welcome to the podcast. I asked you earlier, what would you, um, as far as like introducing, you would like me saying, you said that I, it's okay for me to say that you're a professor, but I also wanted to mention that I met Amy at one of my favorite establishments, and I'm not going to give a shout out here because they didn't pay me for that endorsement. <laughs> But and everyone they, who knows and us. And they can. <laughs> and they can. Uh, but I would say I met, I met you there, yeah. and you're a professor at Michigan State, and we were talking about something really important, so I will uh, let you introduce what it, exactly we were discussing. Awesome. <laughs> it's hard to think back that far. We've seen each other several times there. <laughs> uh, my name is Amy Wisner, and I'm a professor in the College of Business. I teach the business communication course to all of our majors. And so I have 600 undergrads every semester. And yeah, I mean, I was sort of taking a traditional path as far as teaching that course. And once all of the career services stuff kind of left our class because of, you know, our career management center took it over, I uh, went a little wild and started teaching people how to be the best version of themselves. And it's been an interesting journey since. We're doing like low key social justice stuff or high key. Um, it turned into high key. It started. <laughs> it started out a little low key at first, um, really out of fear. Which the irony is, what I'm helping people understand is like, how do you show up in your values, right? Like, how do you figure out who you are and what you care about, and the impact that you want to have on the world. And then make your decisions accordingly. And that sounds easy. It's not fucking easy at all. <laughs> no. No. I know mean, we were both professors and how we got into a discussion so that we uh, have, I guess, so to pose a topic and we're going, you know, um, two days after uh, midterm elections mm-hmm. in Michigan, we definitely had a... I w- a blue wave, <laughs> so to speak, and po- politics are hot on everybody's mind. And there was politics that were supposed to be a red wave. And so how we got into a discussion was a, a lot about how people can have these discussions about political issues, social justice issues, without there being so much divisiveness. Mm-hmm. Because in social media, particularly, you go online, and I'm even off Facebook right now, you go online and you want to like have a discussion and the next thing you know, yep. somebody's calling you names. They're telling you you're stupid. They're telling you you get an education. They're yep. blame shifting. They're doing all the like classic psychological things, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and honestly, like even when we when we talk patriarchy, like the go to insult for women is you're ugly, right? <laughs> like some sort of hit to your psyche as far as your appearance goes. Um, but yeah, that divisiveness and the just name calling and mudslinging that's happening online. I mean, we've got to figure out how to have meaningful discourse that's nuanced. And how do you do that? I mean, you have to be able to figure out how to stay in the conversation when it starts to get uncomfortable, when it's not necessarily aligned with what you believe. And that goes for either side. I tell my students all the time, I don't want you to think like I think. I want you to think like yourself. But 
you know, so much of what we think is what society has told us to think. And that's the piece that I think is, you know, really challenging for people is to stay in the conversation long enough to to realize that some of what they believe maybe isn't really aligned with what they value. And so then it causes discomfort. And then what? Then what do you do? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> all, all I know is that when I go on social media uh, and right now, uh, Twitter uh, which was recently purchased by Elon Musk. Uh, and so we're seeing a lot of problematic behavior coming mm-hmm. back and not alignment with uh, what was happening earlier, which is like, okay, cutting people off when they're being bullies and things like mm-hmm. that. But then within a few days, Elon Musk himself was like, <laughs> no, oh, you're bullying me. Don't you make fake accounts? I'm going to do this. So, you know, uh, the thing is, and the more that we progress in our society is that media conversations, social media, new media uh, versus in-person conversations are going to be different. They are mm-hmm. going to look different. And how can we do those in respectful manners? How? I, yeah. How? I mean, one of the things is conscious, consciously communicating. So showing up mindfully aware of what's happening. Why am I even talking? Why am I even reacting to this? Because so much of what people are doing online is out of emotional reactivity. They're not even conscious of what's happening for them. There's something happening and they don't like it. And so then they blast off some hateful rhetoric. And this happens on both sides. I mean, it really doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum. Yeah, yeah it, no, I it's agree. It's happening everywhere. And I mean, there are obviously some very extreme examples of this <laughs> from not just politicians, but their supporters. But but I think that's really what on the rebellion, what you know, we're learning and and teaching is how to show up. And be really mindful of not just the words that you're saying, but like what's happening in your body. You know, can you explain what the rebellion is? Yeah, for sure. So the rebellion is an online community and it's a social learning community. So really kind of taking education to the next level. Anyone can join. And when you join the rebellion, you get to take part in the Bully Free Future initiative, which is really an you know, the, f- the first stage is getting clear about who you are and what you care about and the impact that you want to have. And then learning about these cognitive biases and the ways that we just sort of unconsciously react, the reactivity that we have all the time and and checking that and saying, like, I'm, I'm going to start being really aware of when I show up in relation to others. And it could be your relational others, like your family, your friends, your romantic partners. It could be in the workplace. But no question, it's obviously online also. Um, because our empathy center in our brain goes offline when we're communicating on the internet. And so we have to choose to be empathic. It takes a lot of effort to make it a conscious choice to be empathic and to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. And especially if they're espousing some views that we think are complete and utter bullshit. How do you do that? And it's not easy. It's not. It takes a lot of practice. And so that's what the rebellion 
offers people as a space to practice that. So that was, yeah, that was our initial conversation was about how you're creating this online community and you're mostly using it with your students, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, we're coming from two different perspectives. I mean, I'm, I'm a sociology, criminology person, and a lot of what I teach in my classes is empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talk a lot about how to do that online t- as well. And you're coming from a different um, field and you're doing some of the exact same things. Mm-hmm. And that's where interdisciplinary, interdisciplinary work can be so important. Absolutely. Is like, how are we addressing that in, in different ways? And what's interesting to me is like, you, you know, you said cognitive biases and like, I, I think, yeah, socialization, right? Cognitive yeah. meaning we all have implicit biases. We all Absolutely. have these biases that are socialized into us based on our upbringing, based on our parents, our friends, our, you know, our immediate social environment. And as we go on in life, I mean, media, you know, what, right. what we watch on TV, what we consume yeah. on social media for younger generations, because I always say that I'm glad that I didn't have Facebook when I was a kid because, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> We didn't need young Becky's pictures on there. Uh, but it's it's all of that impacts how we view the world and then how we react to people. And we have moved very much to a place where our interactions are in person, but even more of our interactions are online. Mm-hmm. And be, with, there's not a person sitting across from you where you can feel their feelings. Yeah. You can mim- you mir- the mirror neurons of where you see that you hurt them. Yep. Uh, they it's easier to dehumanize somebody. Absolutely. But you said the word patriarchy, and I want to think of I, that made me also think, well, but how is that? I mean, patriarchy also says that women's feelings and dehumanization also doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. how different is that in person versus online? I have I have people while I'm walking from you know, my house to the restaurant screaming, you know, nice tits, nice ass, and, and a bunch of ridiculous other things, and how much. Um, and then I get the same baloney when I'm on social media. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how much do you think that patriarchy impacts? Because if there's not empathy for certain populations of people, yeah. is there a difference? I actually, I, I think patriarchy is the sort of foundation for our first experiences of bullying. When I was pregnant, with my children, who are now two and four years old, the very first thing people say are what is, what are you having? Yeah. Is it a boy or a girl? So that we can make all of these assumptions based on <laughs> the gender binary, mm-hmm. the yeah. rules of binary. Yeah. Yes. It has to be this boy or, or girl. Yes. Yep. And so, and what does that mean? And, and honestly, I mean, my kids are, like clearly very complex individuals who have just amazing characteristics and like why do we have to why am i being forced by society to bucket them one in one or the other i mean it just doesn't even make sense but when i so i when i delivered my ted talk i did tedx uh, msu talk in 21 and so we had no audience because of covid <laughs> and i will say my jokes are good, but there's no audience. <laughs> they, they, didn't, they don't, jokes don't hit if nobody's there. 
The only people who were there were people who had heard me rehearse several times. So they were, I was like, you guys could at least fake laugh. Come on. Really, like give a clap or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, jokes don't hit when there's nobody there. No, no. So anyway, when I I delivered that, my my big takeaway was we got to cancel the patriarchy because it disadvantages men and women. Mm -hmm. That's the issue. But. But it's so it's it's actually insidious in ways that men and boys don't realize. Um, I have the sweetest, most tender little boy. He's two and a half. He hugs. He literally hugs strangers wherever we go. Sweet. I do not want the system like I don't want (laughs) patriarchy to get a hold of this child. Um, I'm telling him he needs to be more masculine. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And that's the thing. Like this society expects boys to constantly earn their man card. And it is it is the source. It is the main messaging behind nearly every bullying incident that I've talked to any man or young male person, male presenting person about. Yeah, when it gets exacerbated on social media because dehumanization Mm -hmm. is easier when there's not a person across from you, as I just said earlier. It's like, I wrote a book with another colleague, Kate Luther, shout out, for my last book, and we talked about social media and crime. We covered a chapter on trolling, which I don't even like that word anymore. Mm. But a lot of the research on that says it tends to be younger boys between, like, I think, like, 11 and, like, 17. And I I wonder if I don't know the updated research on that and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I feel like a lot of the trolling on there, besides, like, bots and stuff like that, are meant to... Perpetuate kind of, that. Yeah, kind of like boost up that yeah. that toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. In sociology, we call it hegemonic, but I mean, clearly, mm-hmm. we, we call it toxic masculinity mm-hmm. because there's masculinity where it's still acceptable to like boy things mm-hmm. and have feelings. And right. There's toxic yeah, masculinity. Yeah, there's toxic masculinity where you're supposed to be homophobic. You're supposed yeah. to be, I'm strong and I don't have feelings and let me shove it all down and mm-hmm. self-sufficient and I'm smarter than girls. And I mean, even if you don't intentionally consciously think that that's kind of what the message really really mm-hmm. is and you know sexual conquests and yep. you know, I'm writing a book on rape culture now yep. uh, so, so social media and like you said you have a two and a half year old and he's he's sweet and he's he wants to hug and he has feelings that should be nurtured mm-hmm. um, and you're just hoping that society doesn't knock knock that out of him but yeah. yeah social media is one of those places that really tries to and you said like bullying mm-hmm. but girls can girls do it too you absolutely know? yeah the mean girl thing happens and i think that's i mean and I, when that's i say also part of the patriarchy yeah totally it really it's, all, it's all patriarchy the <laughs> you know boys and men who are criticizing women based on their appearance i mean that's the go-to like if you shut someone down and you make a solid argument they're like yeah all right whatever fatty it's instantly about your appearance. and But then within female-to-female bullying violence, it's that toxic competition for the male gaze. Mm-hmm. And then it pits girls against each other. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that makes me think of my partner's daughter, who is, is I'm her bonus mom. Mm-hmm. Um, we just talked the other day. I asked her if, you know, like, 
kids because she's in third grade now if like kids in her class make fun of of girls um for their appearance and stuff like that and have have made fun of her and she said no not me but my friend you know they make fun of her and they call her fat all the time Mm. and you know i said do you stand out for her and she's like, no, because I don't want to get made fun of. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I, and I said, but yeah, we got to do that, though, right? Yeah. And I was like, I've, I've been in her life for four years now. And one of the things I notice is how often strangers tell us how pretty she is. Ugh. Constantly. And I say, I say it all the time. Like, even, I mean, even strangers and then, like, even family members where they'll be like, you're so pretty. You're so skinny. You're the, so this. And, and I like whisper and be like, and you're smart. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And then also I stand up for her and I'm like, yeah, we don't really like uh, comments on her body and appearance because yeah. she's more important than that. You know, where I'm like sitting there like and then people get mad at me and I'm like, oh, gosh, how many battles do I want? But yeah, it is the social message. It is. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and it's something that just happened and it's the way that society views. So right. It's your gen- genetics based on what society views as pretty. Yeah. Which yeah. can change based on culture, based on time, yep. based on all kinds of things. So, yeah, I'm just always like, oh, roll eye patriarchy. <laughs> but it's it's like the message is pervasive. Yeah, You can't is. avoid it. No. All of the research shows that we have mental structures around gender in our minds by the time we're three or four years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, as... I was going to say liberal. I guess that's, I, I don't know, with my thinking that I am, um, my daughter at four years old, she's four and a half, and the other day she said, oh, that would be hilarious if Caleb wore a skirt. And I was like, oh, why would that be hilarious? And she's like, well, that would just be silly. Boys don't wear skirts. And I'm like, where did you learn that? Mm-hmm. Where What? But it's true. It's so pervasive because it's everything that we see. And so I showed her some of the content creators, um, who are boys who wear skirts and said, see, there's a boy who wears a skirt. And she was like, oh, okay. I had some family members who expressed that they thought that was problematic, that I would be sharing that with my four-year-old child. Right. I know. She's rolling her eyes, everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because wearing a skirt, um, apparently nobody knows history in other cultures either. Right. So that like, inherently means that you're you're a girl, or well, yeah, it was and like, and like even if it does, girls are fucking awesome. So <laughs> right. you know, fuck off. I don't know. It's it is. It's it's so hard to imagine changing the narrative. It's so hard. I'm, so after I delivered my TED talk and I talked about this, you know, patriarchy and and cancel the patriarchy and how this is harming everyone. Um, my dad, who is, you know, the patriarchy. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Dad. Um, he went, he was actually out in Arizona, and he went to a, like, six-year-old track event? I don't even know. Is that even a thing? I, I may be getting the facts wrong. Anyway, it was, it was a co-ed kind of thing. And a girl was beating a boy. They were running. And the dad was screaming you fucking pussy run faster oh gosh a girl is beating you and my dad was like it was the first time that it ever occurred to me that that was not okay mm-hmm. after having seen 
my TED Talk. And so I do think that it's possible (laughs) that if we start bringing this to people's attention and and say, like, if you're always using slurs that are, oh, you look like a girl or what a pussy or what, you know, you're so gay, all of those things are insinuating that it's bad. Right. It's it's the heteropatriarchy. It's heterosexual is good. Um, you're gay if you're a boy and you act feminine in any kind of way. Yeah, anything feminine is bad. less than. That's right. Yes, and I mean, and I'm in my field. I, I'm, you know, sociology. Yeah, that's that's rampant for us to have these discussions. But in your field, that's less. No, so much less. So much less. <laughs> so basically, you need to be in my field. But, um... I do. I do. I actually, one of my former TAs was like, so basically, you want to be a humanities professor. <laughs> fact. That's a fact. <laughs> well, again, and bringing this back around to social media, um, we create echo chambers yes. in our social media. So I agree. Like, so we know this stuff. We're, we try to bring it, but the people who are listening, right? And the mm-hmm. people who are, you know, watching TikToks and they are watching the stuff that they already agree with, yep. that, that are validating their previously held notions yep. that are patriarchal. Confirmation bias. Yeah. Com- yeah. Ugh, confirmation bias is one of my favorite. <laughs> Right. I mean, I mean, you yeah. go to college and you get cognitive dissonance because you can sit in a class yeah. and you, you'll be uncomfortable. And every single class I teach it, everybody, everyone. And I teach at a university that is rural and there's a, there's a fair amount of conservative. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people like I've, I've re- I read the papers. All right. I read every <laughs> single one of them. Some of them straight up hate me. OK. So there is cognitive dissonance that occurs in my classes, but the, otherwise, they I, I mean, you have to work on getting that exposure. It's not something mm-hmm. that is just brought to you. Right. Right now, our political system and the divisiveness that is occurring within it is actively trying to prevent some of the education that's already been happening. Right. And that is why, I mean, right before we started discussing the raising the voting age because uh, Gen Z fucking shit up. (laughs) Which is called the fuck around and find out generation. That's right. (laughs) And I say that all the time. I was not at all surprised by this election. No. Because, you you know, uh, Roe versus Wade was was removed and uh, that in effect uh, impacts a lot of younger folks and so that got a fire under their booties and that means that they're going to go to the polls for a lot of these votes and young people always trend more liberal Mm -hmm. they just do i had this conversation with um, my partner's dad about not only do younger people trend more liberal but older people who used to be liberal will trend more conservative later really yeah Oh. Yeah. Well, once you're once you got money, you want to keep it, I suppose, mm-hmm. in America. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm I've always been kind of curious why that. I mean, the reasons why like there's that shift. Is it is it comfort? Is it? I mean, it ain't gonna be me. Will not be me. I, first of all, I'm already old enough for that of to have changed. <laughs> Yeah, mine definitely went the other direction because, like, I was raised in a very conservative family, and um, I'm the I'm the outlier at this point. I'd say high five, high five. 
Oh, no, no. I mean, I'm my family tends to trend more conservative as well because we grew up in a rural area and we grew mm-hmm. up very poor. But my mom wasn't. Mm-hmm. And she, before she died, she she read a lot of books. So she instilled a lot of that in, in me of like, think. Think, think critically. Think, yeah. think. And I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and I'm not Keeps saying... Up at night. <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know, um, the GOP or conservative political ideologies aren't thinking. I'm I'm sure they are, but what are they thinking and why would you switch to one or the other? You, as a person who switched, I would say I probably, no, I know I've been, I've been liberal and progressive my whole life. Mm -hmm. What made you switch? Was it education? Was it books? Yeah, I would say education and expanding my, my worldview. I mean, that's really that confirmation bias was alive and well in my world that I was constantly surrounded by people who were saying the same things. And that's very easy to continue to believe the same things. I think, I mean, the couple of things that really radicalized me, one was at about 40, which is an embarrassing late age for me to say, like, and I was already liberal at that point, but where I really started to question everything was (laughs) when I decided to stop coloring my hair and because I had tons of gray. And honestly, I was just sick of going every two or three weeks to get it covered up. And I was like, why, why am I doing this anyway? Like, oh, well, I wouldn't want anyone to think I'm old. Why? All of a sudden, it all started to crumble. <laughs> like, wait, because someone thinks I shouldn't. Wait, why? I'm exactly as old as I am. My hair is just the color it is. I, I, why did I never question this before? I'd been coloring my hair for 20 years. And it just, everything started to to fall apart at that point. It was like I saw behind the curtain. I always make the Wizard of Oz re- reference, like, saw behind the curtain. It was an old white dude with a microphone. <laughs> Oh, that's like one of my favorite songs, um, the Victoria's Secret song that I'm sure you've heard. Yes. <laughs> I'm Victoria's Secret, and girls you wouldn't believe. I can't sing. I won't do that. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry, everyone. Jax. Yes. Jax. Yeah, and that, that was a TikTok song. Yeah, that was a TikTok, yeah, but TikTok I think, yeah, like you, the scene behind the curtain moment for you was also like tied into what you're expected to look like. Yeah, And absolutely. how, uh, especially for women, yeah. you're supposed to look young. Young. Mm-hmm. And the media is a perpetuator of that. That's why you don't see a lot of actors um, playing women in their 40s and up. Like, we kind of become non-existent. Yep. I was told that I would stop getting street harassed, and I would say at the ripe old age of 42, that has still not <laughs> happened. But yeah. also I've been told I, I have, I'm like dressed like in the word that was recently used was Jezebel. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, how about I just dress however I feel comfortable in. That's and okay. It's not for you. It's not for your consumption. <laughs> just, this is what I want to wear. So, you know, street harassment's still super fun for me. And again, that's because women's bodies and appearances are for the male gaze mm-hmm. in our society. So... Yeah. And social media is a place where I always kind of thought that we would um, get better at that. And there is in ways that we push back. Mm -hmm. I do think that there is that, but it's still not to where it needs to be because there's still a lot of the old tropes and situations that continue to occur. For me, when I decided to stop coloring my hair, it was, I mean, truly my dad, who has a full head of white hair, 
and he is the reason from a DNA perspective <laughs> that I have gray hair, said, oh, you'll never get a job if you do that. And I was like, the fuck? <laughs> and that was it. Like, go ahead. Tell tell me I can't do something. <laughs> Watch me. And once I made that choice and I was consciously choosing to break the rules, it was I would say all downhill from there. I mean, at that point, then it was like, fuck it, man. I want to have kids. I'm going to have them by myself. I just had <laughs> had these kids by myself. It's not down. I mean, downhill away from the patriarchy rolling out. Like, That's right. Like, hot, this like, gets hot cakes. easier, 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 easier. Like, this was, uh, yeah, it was just. I'm like, I'm like thinking the analogy of like smooth sailing. That's I'm right. Like, smooth sailing, whatever you want. Yeah, analogies maybe are not my strong suit. <laughs> like, I don't. Oh, you don't like that I'm going to go have kids? Boo! Hey. Yeah, exactly. So, Deuces. Yeah. And, and then, honestly, once I had my daughter, that was the moment where, I mean, it was just like leveling up my complete audacity. I mean, it was just a huge fuck off to the entire system. Like, yeah, this I'm going to protect you forever. Yes. Yeah. This is the most important human being on this planet and I will do whatever I can to protect this child and you know I won't let you tell yeah. her how she needs to be yeah. and if she d- she decides she's not a she I'm also going to protect that's that too right. yeah exactly you're a pretty princess no don't fucking say that to her if she wants to be a princess she'll tell you yeah yeah because you were talking about the gender binary earlier and one of the things I would say that I think has been really cool the last episode before this was the June Pride Month with mm-hmm. my my friend Jamie and we were talking about because we were, we're both queer and grew up in the 90s and I didn't know what bisexual definitely didn't know what pansexual was back then but also like gender identity wasn't like ever discussed it mm-hmm. was you were either this or that and mm-hmm. that's it right you are you are a boy or you are a girl and I think that we have progressed now i think that that's why there's a lot of fear and pushback against that stuff you know backlash is the word that we use in sociology a lot that okay you know this progression we're not comfortable with it the the very word conservative means keeping things the status that's right so we don't there is a misunderstanding of no that or that always existed Mm. you just didn't let it (laughs) you just didn't recognize it like you don't have to be that that's right yeah this is no one's telling you that you have to change yourself you want to be who you are yay be yourself stop telling other people who they are Mm mm-hmm you know, uh, and stop creating these false narratives and myths around things like uh, that drag queens are sexual predators. Unreal. Like Unreal. that, that, that one is just like, no, look, I've been hanging out with drag queens for a really long time. <laughs> it's comical, honestly. And no, no, they're just really pretty. They're just really cool. They're, <laughs> they're just a good time. And they just really want to, like, dance and perform. And, you know, the drag the drag queen um, story hour is something that I think is just amazing because mm-hmm. it creates an inclusive environment. Why are we so afraid of something that it, and someone that is different than, yeah. than us? And it's like, doesn't you know, mean anything. I have this conversation with my dad um, about the gender binary at one point, and... I give him credit because he is always willing to enter into the ring with me, which is, you know, brave. 
But he said, things just used to be simpler. And I said, what does that mean? And he was like, well, if I pull up to the McDonald's drive through say, and I can tell if it's a boy or if it's a girl. And not, I was like... Not it's, you mean he or she, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then, then what? And he was like, then I just, then I know. And I'm like, no, what? And he was like, I guess, like, I can understand them better. And I'm like... Them? No. <laughs> right, exactly. And I said, but you don't. That's the thing. That's always been what you assume, right? Like you, you're making assumptions about people based on what you think you know about them, but you literally know nothing about them. You're driving up to a drive-thru. You know nothing about that person. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And so if what you really want is human connection, then wouldn't you want to know more, more about, about them? them? <laughs> and and it, was, it really was a kind of an aha moment for him because it's true. We think there's a lot of a sense of security in what we think we know. We want to reduce our uncertainty as much as possible. That's, well, that's why stereotypiness. Yeah, that's Stere- human we stereotype right. because it helps us yeah. put people in a specific Organize category. Yeah, absolutely. And so it makes sense that this this used to be like make America great again. Come the fuck on. What that means is make America binary again. (laughs) Make America understandable again, right? Like there's good and there's bad and there's, yeah, exactly. And it's boys and girls and blacks and whites. And it's fucking ridiculous because all of that was a lie. I mean, all of that is, it's just a whole set of assumptions that you're making about people to other to better be better than to rank order yourself as what superior yeah i mean i think pretty much every choice i've made goes against the grain uh since having children i mean i've been uh, yeah like respectful parenting and holy shit like it is amazing to me how the whole entire system wants to tell us to tell our kids what to do like we're all supposed to just bully children until they conform and are obedient. That's just not how I'm going to roll. Breaking intergenerational trauma. That's right. Yeah, like it's I mean the, the the term I guess the hot topic and I'm assuming you probably have heard of gentle parenting. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's treating I mean gentle parenting like, is basically treat like, treating them like like, like human beings. Yeah, like <laughs> what? You're a human? Yes. Yeah, that's With an opinion. Look at yeah. that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's check in. Okay, that's not safe. I'm that's trying. right. That's I right. always say, you know, to, to my little, like, what's my number one job? Yep. And she's like, to keep me safe. I was that's like, right. right. So I'm not t- I'm not telling that you shouldn't do that because I'm that's trying right. to be the fun killer. I'm trying to tell you yep. not to do that because this thing you just got hurt on two seconds ago. Now, some of those mistakes you got to make on your own, but some of them can be prevented. I can, and I that's should right. prevent them that's right. if I can. Yeah. I tell mine. <laughs> Uh, my job is to keep them healthy, safe, and growing. And they'll repeat that back to me. But now my new um, thing is, what am I teaching you? And it's to love and respect yourself and love and respect others. And honestly, literally, if I do nothing else, I feel like that's the most important thing. Not follow rules, not Mm-mm. obey people, not, you know, sit quietly at a restaurant for two hours like that's just fucking ridiculous but if we are at a restaurant you want to go to a restaurant which they do my kids are extroverts like none other (laughs) they love some people um 
they want to go to the restaurant. Well, if you're going to go to the restaurant, you can't just scream out loud, which is a thing my two-and-a-half-year-old is suddenly doing, right? Like, nobody came to the restaurant to listen to kids screaming at the top of their lungs. If that's happening, we're going to have to leave. Yeah, and that's the consequence. Right. A natural consequence. Right, exactly. Like, no, if you want to scream out loud, like, we need to go home, man. Like, that's just... That's not cool. That's not how we take care of other people in our community. And that's where I think that community of care aspect comes in is that it's not just about me. It's not just about what I care about and what I want. Like, oh, I feel like screaming at the top of my lungs. Cool. Go do that somewhere else because no one else wants to hear that. And how? so how do we balance our own needs and the needs of our community? And that, to me, is what it's all about. That's where it's at. And we can end on that, but also, like, yeah, we can work together for that. Rebecca Hayes and Cedric Taylor and our awesome, amazing producer, Nate Havko. 